Hello, and welcome to the FWC Podcast. Today's message was preached on Sunday, April 25th, 2021, by lead pastor David Damiani. Thanks. Enjoy. It was my birthday on Friday. So, um, yeah, last year they gave me a calendar, and people committed to pray, and even fast, um, and where would we be without it? It makes all the difference to lift each other up in prayer. And I, w- I could say very easily, um, these days we need, we need prayer for each other, support each other, encourage each other. As long as it's still called today, if there's a day called today, we're supposed to encourage each other all the more. Scripture tells us so. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's um, something in my office that I look at often, and thank you for doing it for me. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Thank you. Love you more. Love you most. Love your toast. Something I say with my kids. Anyway, hallelujah. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for changed lives. Lord, we pray for the harvest that's ripe. Lord, we pray for a quickening, an empowerment, a fresh anointing, a fresh touch today. Lord, this this time we set apart to be together corporately, collectively, as family, to worship, family, worship, center, freedom, worship center. Lord, that we came here to freely worship you. Lord, I pray through that, through your word, through the worship, through prayer, through fellowship, through love, that you ignite hearts. Ignite us. Do do. Stuff only the Holy Spirit can do. Ignite us and keep us calm. Put us on fire and let us be at peace. Fill us with joy and let us be at rest. Combinations of impossible things. Bold and kind. A lion and a lamb. Lord, only you can do that in us. I don't care personality. I don't care nationality, temperament, environment, how we were raised. Lord, erase all that. Make us like you, Jesus. Give us your nature, your character, your blood, the DNA of Jesus. Lord, may our DNA be your DNA. We pray for those not well. Father, I pray that you prompt people in this room right now to to carry that burden, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, I pray that there are people sitting here that will shoulder that burden, those in our family that aren't well, those that have experienced death, 
those that are grieving. Lord, we, we weep with those that weep. We rejoice with those that rejoice. Set us free, Lord, to do those things, to be those things. Strip us of self even more today. Do a deeper, deeper surgery in us. While we're praying, I'll mention at this time that next Sunday, you, got, you, you guys, you men, you dudes. How many dudes are here? You're a dude? All right, cool. Lots of dudes. What's up, dude? Are you up there praying? Huh? Amen. Hallelujah. So you dudes better be here next Sunday. Because like 50-something, what is it? How many, Tish? I don't know, 50? 58 women are not going to be here. They're going to be at a, at a retreat. So, dudes, we're going to rock it. Like, oh, you're not going to believe. We're probably, like, we'll punch each other and stuff. It'll be so cool. <laughs> we'll do some wrestling. Maybe we'll do, like, run up and down the aisles, see who's faster. It's going to be so cool. Nadir, yeah, Nadir could cook. Awesome. Maybe we'll have a campfire right here. We're going to have fun. Good times. Oh, did he? So make sure, make sure you're here. What? Right here. You are here. Amen. What did the Lord do for you? I didn't hear you. What did you yell out? Oh. His voice was soft. I couldn't hear him good. Amen. In many ways, he saved you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here's the deal. Um, let's see, did I cover all that stuff? I think I did. Yes. The wives that come back safely? Amen. Yes, we will. Huh. Okay, so um, I'm going to share some scriptures today that the Lord has on my heart. And um, I want to I encourage you to, when you listen to a message someone's giving, to listen in two ways. I write little notes down during the week as they come to me and um, do that. Write down what the Lord's saying to you when he's talking to you, when you're driving. Well, you don't have to write it down when you're driving. You can talk, text it. Um, when you're in the shower, when you wake up in the morning, when you're going to sleep, whenever you're, you hear the voice of the Lord, write it down. Save it. But when you're listening to a message, and you can internalize it if it fits for you. Um, you can internalize it and say, my dad used to say, bring a rake, not a shovel. You know, he used to say that a lot. You remember that? Meaning pull it into yourself instead of, oh, they need that, they need that. 
But that's in the context of if you're saying, oh, they're terrible people, they need to hear this. But, but there is truth to you pull it into yourself or um, listen to the scripture, hear what the Lord's saying, and use this when you're talking to your friends, family, neighbors, that the Lord's preparing you. We talk about equipping, right? We're equippers. We're here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. We'll come to be equipped, not only to be changed, but also to be equipped with information, with with word of God, with, with rhema, with you know, prophetic words, exhortations that the Lord's speaking, they're for you to use when you're ministering to people. So he's speaking. Take note of what he's saying through the congregation when they're speaking. If it doesn't apply to you, it might apply to your toolbox that you put that in there and you're, you're gonna need that someday when you're ministering to someone. And I'm telling you, the fields are ripe. You need to be, if you were ever afraid to minister, I really think these days it's not difficult. Everybody's willing to talk about what in the world is going on in the world. And where's this all headed? And you need to know where we're headed, what the Lord's doing. You can share with them. You can talk crazy, spiritual, supernatural, and they'll be like, oh, they'll listen because it's so weird right now. Everybody's unsettled. You can talk as strong as you want. I talked really strong at a funeral. Cora here? Yeah. I talked really strong, right? Right? And they were listening. Amen? And the other key is, man, you can say anything in love, and it'll be received. Say it in love, and it'll be received. People need to hear what's going on. So Ephesians chapter 5, I want to share um, the context here is... The context of, of the message is a few times in our services or at men's breakfast, people have asked straight out, like, how do you know who's right, what's right? Um, these people think they're right, those people think they're right, or I thought I was a Christian, am I a Christian? Are they a Christian? Um, so I wanted to address a couple chunks of scripture that you can meditate on, listen to the voice of the Lord, hear what he's saying to you in the context of how do I know if I am or my family is or my friends and neighbors are really believers, if they really know Jesus or if they um, think they're okay but they're really, that's the most dangerous ground when you think you're okay, you think you're saved or you think you're born again or you think you're a believer because when you were seven years old at a vacation Bible school, you, re- you repeated a prayer. But that was it. And that's dangerous ground to be on. So let's, let's see what the, what the word of the Lord says. Ephesians chapter five, start in, fir- in verse one. Um, I got a couple translations open, but this is new living here just for hearing it from a different angle. I have New American Standard here. Um, but we'll start with, with verse one, imitate God. Or New American says, therefore be imitators of God. Imitate God or the Christ. We could stop right there. <laughs> Imitate 
God. How are you supposed to be living? What does it mean to be a believer? You know how many times in life I've heard people say, hey, I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. You know, hey, man, you know, what's going on in your life? What's up with that? And I'm not perfect. I'm not God. Okay. Those same people will hold a Bible and say, I believe every word in this book. Well, do you believe that you're supposed to imitate God, be an imitator of God? That means your life is supposed to look like Jesus. When people see you, they're supposed to be able to see him. It doesn't mean you don't have your own personality, but they're gonna see him. What does that mean? We'll, 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 we'll unpack that a little more in a minute. Imitate God. Um, in this translation, it goes on to say, in everything you do. As beloved children. So how do you, first of all, live a lifestyle that you're an imitator of God? You have to believe that you are a beloved child. This is probably week four or five that I've been talking about stiff arming. Those of you that watch football know what that really means. It's like you're carrying the ball and the guy's coming at you, and he's gonna tackle you, and you stiff arm him while you're running, and he just flies backwards, right? And you keep running. We do that to the devil. Can I pause for a side note, Tony? Sure you pause real quick. You Last week, man. <laughs> I know the Bible doesn't say that the devil chokes on the blood of Jesus. But it says he's under feet, etc. But he's choking on the blood that ran down the tree. I never forgot that song all week. He, and even yesterday in the in the in the funeral, which was really a glorious supernatural encounter, I texted Becky and I said, "The Satan was choking on the blood today," because he was. Man, he's choking on the blood that ran down the tree. Right? That's not how it goes. He's choking on the blood that. Ran down the tree? Ain't no devil going to tread on me. Hey, man, that was a side note. All right, so um, stiff-arming God, Adam and Eve in the garden. Who told you your soul was exposed? That was from Wednesday night, the, the play. Huh? Amen. Yeah. Oh, Wednesday? You liked it? Good. I watched it on the way back. You guys can watch it. It's on live stream. Um, it's, it's there. <laughs> Thank you. They said your soul, who told you your soul was exposed instead of you were naked, but um, that's what the phrase they used. But, so Adam and Eve in the garden, who told you you were naked? We hide. We stiff arm God. I'm not worthy to be called his beloved child, you know? You can resist him. I shared that a couple weeks ago in here. You can sit in this atmosphere, this freedom. You can sit in a worship service. Last week, the intensity of, of the worship last week and every week, sometimes it's like 
off the charts, right? Intense. And you could sit in this atmosphere and be like, yeah, them, not me. That's for them, not me. I'm not a beloved child. So you can't look like Jesus. You can't act like Jesus. You can't smell like Jesus. You can't give off the fragrance of Jesus if you don't believe he loves you. You can't give what you don't have. If you're not receiving his love, you can't walk in love. If you're stiff-arming his love, you might speak truth. The Bible tells us speak the truth in love. You might be speaking truth, but not in love. And you're wondering why you get the reaction you do. If there was anything I could wave a wand... He doesn't? Oh, it's not magic? Oh, I'm sorry. I was confused. <laughs> Just kidding. I know. If, there, if it was possible, I could say, Ooh. if there's anything I could want you to get, how much he loves you, it, it's life-changing. It is life-changing how much he loves you. You guys were yelling out, what, do you, what did you receive? What are you thankful for? What did you receive from the Lord? He saved my life. What has he done for you? I got two in the last, what is it, three years? Jules, how long have you been married? Three years? In the last three years, I got two sons-in-law and three grandkids. (laughs) In three years. And started pastoring this church. That's a lot of change, isn't it? It, My beard was jet black two years ago. (laughs) Jet black. (laughs) But what has he done for me? And how does he show me? I mean, when I had kids, he showed me. When I got married, he showed me. When I had kids, he showed me. Grandkids. Mia comes in. Levi now reaches for me. What would I do for my grandkids? What would I do for my kids? And, and you could say, well, I don't have kids or grandkids. I can't relate. No, you can to people. This all, it starts with this. This is a, a, a physical example to me that I can see. But the change that happens to me is to love people like that. April, I want to love you as much as I love Mia. I really do. But I want to also love you as much as Jesus loves you. I really do. I want, to, I want the love in my heart for people to be as much as Jesus loves you through me. There sure is. But where does it start? You'll never get there if you don't accept how much he loves you. And those of you that deserve his love, I'm tricking you, I'm tricking you. Those of you that deserve his love, feel his love. So which one of us sitting here deserves his love? Nobody in this building deserves his love. Every one of you all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Old Testament says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all done it. 
So get that out of your head if I, if I could deserve it. I know I say this a lot. I'm telling you, because if there's one thing I could get and you get, and we all get it, how much he loves us. When we get that, we can truly be imitators of the Christ, of God, the God-man. When you know, what does the scripture say? Perfect love casts out all fear. Can you go in my office real quick and look up all in the Greek? Um, I have a degree commentaries. Go, go do that real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Perfect love casts out all fear. One of the worst fears that we're dealing with it today. No, not that one. Fear of man. Fear of people. It's one of the worst fears we have. Of fear of each other. That's why the Lord is saying this morning. Behold, look to the left, look to the right. Behold your brother and your sister. You're afraid of the people sitting in this room? Well, I've been burned, I've been taken advantage of, things have happened to me, you know, I don't want to trust. He has your back. He's got you. Amen. He's got, nobody can do anything to you. He works all things together for good. The more people try to take advantage of you, the more favor he pours out on you. Amen. The more people have stolen from you, the more he gives back. Amen. No one and nothing can harm you. No one can harm you. Stop in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Stop being afraid of people. Fear of man is a trap. The fear of man is a pit. The fear of man is a bondage. But how do you deal with that? Perfect love casts out all fear. What does that mean? Receiving the love of Jesus. And I'm telling you from experience, I've been in this a long time. Born and raised. We never missed church. And when I was in Bible college, I went eight times a week to, to a service. I got a lot of church in me. What is it that they talk about your 10,000 hours, right? You're an expert after 10,000 hours of doing something. I'm a church expert. And I know that even Christians stiff-arm God, reject his love, wake up in the morning and say, oh, the devil's pounding on your head. He's screaming in your ear. He's screaming in your ear. Or he's whispering in your ear. You wake up and he's whispering in your ear. And you're like, oh, man. I blew it. Oh, man. I had that bowl of ice cream and I threw it on the floor off my, off my high chair. 
Pop-Up probably doesn't love me now because I threw that ice cream on the floor. Uh, Mia does that. When she's done with it, she throws it on the floor. And I'm telling you, I, it makes me, like, I, I don't think I'm going to love you anymore, Mia. Oops. She's going to believe that. No, she's not. I didn't say it in Spanish. She's sleeping? Does that feel good, Emmanuel? You like that? You going to have another one soon? Anyway, um, <laughs> the Lord isn't afraid of the ice cream on the floor. He's not. He can, he can deal with your mess. He can deal with your mess. He can clean it up. He can clean you up. And you're fooling yourself if you think you're hiding. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. There's only um, 33 verses in this chapter and um, 17 in the other one chapter I want to read. So. <laughs> Tony's fired up today, kids. Chapter 2. I mean, verse 2. First of all, beloved children. Embrace that. Number two, verse two, walk in love. I'll remind you guys. Had a couple hard things happen. Had some stuff going on a couple years ago. Telling my wife about it. You know, this happened and that happened and, you know, this, these people said this and did that and she said, you're just going to have to walk in love. And it was like a two by four. Like right square in my forehead. And I was like, oh my, oh my word. OM gosh. It's that easy. It just evaporated. Walk in love. Okay, I love them. Boom. Done. Done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they said, what they did, what they tried to do. It doesn't matter. Walk in love. When you walk in love, you walk in freedom. Or this stuff can drag you down for hours or weeks. Or decades. Can drag you down for decades. And the bitterness just starts to rot your soul. It does. But then you have a form of godliness. You know, you're, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church. So you're bitter and you're miserable and you're angry. You're not? Amen. Tony's fired up, kids. You're, Tony's not miserable, but people are. Others are. And all you got to do is say, Lord, I receive your love. Perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter what people did. I want to walk in love. I want to walk in freedom. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Now, religiously, or 
biblically, if I ask you, does Jesus love you? Oh, brother, he died on that old rugged cross for me. You know, and, and you'll talk about how much he loves you with Bible verses and hymns and songs and stories from your childhood. You know, he loved me so much he died for me, which is all true. Every word you would say is true. But do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? Do you really embrace that? He died for me in my place. There's a way you can tell whether you really believe it or not. And if I try to hurry, we'll get there. Not good at hurrying. So we walk in love. How much, to, to what degree are we supposed to walk in love? As Christ loved you. What is that? How far did he go? He laid his life down. And the word of God tells us to lay our life down for each other. Lay your life down for each other. Lay your life down for each other. Esteem others more important and more highly than yourself. You matter more than me. You're more important than me. How come you let all these people talk? In church, how come you let people come up to the mic and say things? Because they matter more than me. I esteem them and honor them and I care about them and what they have to say. I really do. I love them as people. And if, if, them, if them saying that is going to set them free, they come up and the first time ever opening up to a congregation to corporately say something, there's so much freedom that takes place, so much boldness, so much courage. It's life transforming. I have patience for that. Besides, it's biblical. When we come together, we're supposed to do that. One has a song, hymn, spiritual song. One has an exhortation. One has a tongue. One has an interpretation. One has a prophetic word. It's Bible. I was going to teach on that, but we'll do that soon. Some more. Walk in love. So, let me take a look at who's here today. Hey, Beck. Oh, Vanessa came. What's up? You said you were clapping and telling me you love me and it's my birthday and all that stuff. Um, and, I, and I like that and I appreciate it. Last week you prayed for me. I was asked, do I feel the love and all that? Yes, amen, thank you. But no matter what I do or say in here or no matter what happens, are you supposed to love me no matter what? <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm supposed to love you no matter what. No matter what. We walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. By the way, everything we're talking about is a huge gulf and divide between the flesh and the spirit. And this is how you know if the spirit of God is being formed in you, lives in you. This is, this, these are some of the ways you're going to know because this is impossible in the flesh. I can't do that. You're right. You cannot do that. 
It's impossible. I've tried it before. It, right, it's impossible in the flesh. You can't, you can't get here. Last week, real quick, at the end of the service, I talked about for freedom, Christ set us free. And then I said, don't be enslaved again in the yoke of bondage and frustrating the grace of God in your life. If you don't love people, you're frustrating the grace of God in your life. You're trying to earn something. You're trying to prove something. You're trying to be something, and you can't. You are trying to do it, achieve it, be it, and you're frustrated. And you're irritated, and you're irritable because you're trying to earn it. You're striving in the flesh. Flesh begets flesh. You can only achieve this in the spirit. Jesus loved you. He gave himself up for you as an offering. A sacrifice to God. A fragrant aroma. We talk about that in here. Our worship to be a fragrant aroma. Our words to be a fragrant aroma. The atmosphere of this place Last night, there was a concert in here. So we had a big funeral in the morning. Last night, there was a, the Spanish church had a concert. I don't know the guy, but he had like multiple million hits on YouTube. He's a big deal in the Spanish world, real big deal. And he stood on this platform, and he was telling them, I feel the spirit of the Lord in here, the presence of the Lord in here, freedom here. They're going to tell me more after church today, all the things he was saying that he sensed and felt in here. Wednesday, the group that was here, the leader was telling some of our people this place because there's an aroma in this building from the, from the worship that goes up. It really is. They say about freedom. They said something about, and I got to ask the people that talked to them again, something about this place is really big, but the spirit, like it's the spirit, the freedom is big around this property. Stuff like that they were saying. Because we give ourselves up as an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord, a fragrant aroma. And what is that sacrifice? What does the Lord want us to be doing as an offering and a sacrifice? Loving each other. One of my favorite verses. This is how the world will know Amen. that you're my disciple. When the world sees your love for them. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. When the world sees your love one for another, the world will know we're believers because we love each other so much. How will they know? Why, why is that such a big deal? People don't love each other. That's why we love people that do things for us. We love people that give us something. We love people that please us. We love to please ourselves. The self-life is all about self-pleasure. We don't love people that can't do anything for us. We blow them off. In this congregation are a lot of people that can't do anything for you. But you love them. You express love to them. You show love. It's tangible. We're out and about and we're like at a restaurant together or whatever we're doing. And we're just loving each other. People go like, and it doesn't matter what they say. They might say some sarcastic, silly thing. But inside they're going, 
I want that. You know I like my songs. Theme song, right? Not a good show. But a truthful theme song. Always stuck with me. It actually used to bring a tear to my eye when I was a kid. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. But it's so true. I want to go where people love me and accept me. I want to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. Too much of my life I felt tolerated. That's painful, right? Well, that's what this, this body is becoming, is, and is becoming more and more and deeper and deeper, the love we have one for another. Jesus says this morning, look to your left, look to your right. Behold your brother and your sister, your spiritual family. Behold the people you're going to spend eternity with. Behold the people that will be there for you. Behold the people that love you and care about you. Shoo, I got a new family. <laughs> Amen. Looking sharp, brother. I like that sweater. No, it's too small. Give me about six months. I'm on the way down. I couldn't put this shirt on a few months ago. Amen. I'm on the way down. I'm not there yet. An aroma. Verse 3. Let's skip this part. This is a little controversial. Um, let me read downward. I'm going to try to find this, some better things. Let's see. Somebody find me some better things in the Bible? Um, no? Oh, okay. Let's see. Oh, I really like it in this. Let's see. Yeah, I'll, I'll switch back to this NLT real quick. Let there be no sexual immorality. Now, I know... All you church-going people have never, ever had any sexual, sexual immorality thought, any, any temptation, you know, but this is what you can put your toolbox when you're talking to other people because I know you've never dealt with it. Amen? And I'm going to keep pointing backwards as I read this. Let there no, be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. How do you get there? Because you know you're his beloved child. What makes a person look for sexual immorality, impurity, and what makes them greedy? I know you're going to say, sin, sin nature. They're just sinners. I get it, I know. I get it, I know. But what makes us go after these things? When you don't feel love. Oh, come on, you're being psychological. No, I'm being the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus. For God so loved the world. When you embrace his love, when you feel loved by God, sexual immorality makes you want to vomit in comparison. When you feel loved by God, greed makes you sick because the most generous being the most generous God, our God is so generous. When he loves you and, and lavishes you with generosity, greed makes you feel sick. 
And not other people's greed, your own greed. Like, no, this is not right. I'm not an imitator of God if I'm greedy. But when you're loved by him, you're not greedy. When you allow his love to fill you, you don't have a desire for sexual immorality. So how do I know if I'm allowing God to love me? Well, are you struggling with sexual immorality and impurity and greed? If you're struggling with those things, you're stiff-arming the love of God. Such sins have no place among God's people. Amen. They do not. Goes on. Obscene stories. Foolish talk. Coarse jokes. These are not for you. Guess what? When you accept and absorb how much God loves you, you have no desire to participate in obscene stories. I'll tie it to the physical conversation I just had. How do I, how, what works for me to lose weight? The only thing that works for me to lose weight is lifting weights. I hiked and I watched what I ate and I tried a whole bunch of stuff, but it wasn't working. But when I go to the gym and lift weights, something transpires. First of all, my body adapts to it, like enjoys it. My body responds well to it. But second of all, it's difficult to lift weights. Like it's hard work. And when I put all that hard work in, when I see some garbage gentleman's chocolate covered donut in the break room, I think about the hard work I put in all week. And I look at that donut and I go, Psh, no thanks. Like it's, it doesn't tempt me. But when, I'm, when, I'm, when I give up and I'm just sitting around and, uh, and I feel whatever, then you can put anything in front of me and I'll, oh, okay, let me eat this too. I already gave up. What's a cheesesteak? And, you know, might as well have extra fries with cheese on them and lots of salt. How about a couple Cokes? <laughs> and that's how it is when we're like orphan children. We feel like orphans. You know, God doesn't love me. I blew it. It's all over. People don't love me, so God must not love me. Or whatever we say, whatever we say to each other, to ourselves, we give up, we stiff arm God's love, and what gets put in front of us? Sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. Immorality, impurity, idolatry, vulgar joking. These come in front of us and we're like, well, God ain't around. I don't sense him, I don't feel him. I already blew it. What's the point? Might as well give up. What's the big deal? Where does it all start? I know from experience, my 10,000 hours of church experience, when you're stiff-arming the love of God, you'll go look for whatever because you feel orphaned and sad and hurt. Another temptation when you're there, blame the church. Church rejected me. Church people are all hypocrites. They don't do nothing. Say all kinds of things about people. 
But then you'll quote to me, the battle is not human. Our battle is not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. You'll quote that to me, but you'll blame people for all your problems. <laughs> your problem started, like what, it, what Paul said in Galatians, your problem started when you, you started so well. You received the Spirit by grace. You received the Holy Spirit. You received, I remember the day he saved me, we sang. The day I heard him call out my name. You started out grace, receiving his love, and now you think you're going to perfect it in the flesh. You're going to earn it. You're going to earn more favor from him. You're going to whatever. You frustrate his grace. You push his love away. And you start living in the flesh. People have to go get their kids. That's what they're doing, in case you're wondering. I'm almost done. I mean, I'm not even near done, but I'll be almost done for today. Yes, I'm not even near done. Verse 5. Well, verse, end of verse 4. What's, what's fitting for the body of Christ? Giving of thanks. We do that. What makes us thankful? We're worshiping. Tell God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Don't really feel like you love me, but thank you. This happened and that happened, and this happened to my brother, sister, mother, uncle, cousin. You know, you did this, you did that. I don't have enough money this week. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Real talk. Where does that stem from? You don't think he cares about you. He doesn't see you. He doesn't love you. He forgot your name. The Bible says he inscribed your name in the palm of his hand. People can make you feel really unloved. They can. But they're not your problem. Because it doesn't matter though the whole world would forsake me. He won't. If the whole world walks away, though none go with me. Anybody ever sing that song? Though none go with me, still I will follow? Yeah, except church people, bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> though none go with me, I will follow you, Lord, to the end of the earth. But these hypocritical church people hurt my feelings, so forget it. Sissy. I love the Keith Green song, I pledge my head to heaven for the gospel. Though it cost me my life. Though none go with me. Though everybody reject me. Whatever. He will not. He does not. So sexually immoral, verse 5, impurity and greed amounts to idolatry, which amounts to an idolater. So when you, when you lust after people, you pursue impure things, or you're greedy. See, we say, well, I'm not, I don't worship idols. Yeah, you do. 
You worship stuff. You worship other people. You worship feelings and experiences. Crude, gross stuff. You worship it. It's an idol in your life. You want that more than you want a relationship with your wife and kids. It's an idol in your life. But why? Because I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. We all were. We all were dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. Why are you, are you willing to sacrifice on the altar of Beelzebub, your wife, kids, family, your own life for immorality, impurity, greed, stuff? Why? Because you're stiff-arming the love of God. It's him or, or everything else. Once you have him, you don't need anything else. If you don't have him, or you push him away, or you reject him, you go after anything and everything else. True or false? Amen. Amen. It amounts to idolatry. Now, how do I know who's, who's a believer and who isn't? If this is your lifestyle, your lifestyle, you, your whole life is like your thoughts, you're in total bondage to sexual immorality, impurity, greed, filthy, vulgar stuff, foolish talking, all that kind of stuff. Right here at the end of verse five, it says, when this is your lifestyle, you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That means you're in trouble. Even if you said the sinner's prayer when you're eight years old at vacation Bible school. If this is your lifestyle, you're in trouble. There's a problem. There's a big problem. Because if Jesus lives in here, the Holy Spirit's in here, you can't live this way. You might have a stumble. You might fall. It happens. Junk happens to people. But if this is your lifestyle and you're pursuing this, and this is who you are, if this is what you're known as, ask your friends and family, hey, what do people say about me? Oh, well, they say you're immoral, impure, greedy. <laughs> you talk filthy. Then you got a problem on your hands because you can't inherit the kingdom. Verse six, see that no one deceives you with empty words. What are empty words? Oh, brother, everybody lives in sin. Everybody sins. Everybody has problems. Everybody lusts. Everybody desires other people. Everybody is greedy. Everybody wants... Those are, those are empty words. That's not Bible. That's not the teaching of the scripture. I'm just a sinner. Who do you think I am, Jesus? I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. What do you expect from me? Those are empty words. See that no one deceives you with empty words. There's no foundation. There's no biblical foundation with those words. That's misery loving company. That's people in bondage wanting other people to be in bondage so they feel okay about their bondage. What does it say next in, in six? Because of these things, the things I read, but also empty words of deception. Because of these things, these empty words of deception, also the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. There's a reckoning coming. There's a rough day approaching. 
not only for people participating in these things and claiming to be a Christian, but also for people convincing other people they're okay. You're deceived, you're living that life, and you're telling other people they're okay for living it too. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. You don't hate them. You don't despise them. You don't say nasty things. You don't slam them. You don't punch them in the head. But you don't partner with them. You don't partner with them. You can't have unity. What, what fellowship does light have with darkness? There can't be unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is a hard chapter. 1 Corinthians 5. It talks about leaven. And the whole leaven, leaven leavens the lump. When sin is allowed, Paul talked about in, in that instance, Bible talks real talk. In that instance, a guy's son had relations with his stepmom, with the guy's wife. And the church was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sin happens. You know, this stuff happens. And Paul's like, yo, that's spreading like a cancer through the whole church. That's not okay. It's not okay. We love people. We want them to come in. But then when they're in this atmosphere, Holy Spirit's going to clean them up. If they become born again, they're going to get cleaned up. Now, are you darkness or light? Verse 8. You were once darkness. Okay? What's darkness derivative of sin? You were once darkness. You were once a sinner. You weren't a saint. You weren't a believer. You weren't a Christian. You were once darkness, but now you are light. That's what Jesus said. First he said, I'm the light of the world. Then when he was leaving, he said, you are the light. This world is so dark. This world is so evil. Can you believe how horrible the world's getting? Yeah, we're the light. The world is dark. It's always been dark, always will be dark. It's bad out there. What did you used to sing when you were a kid? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> let me play it on the piano for you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. I'm, I'm really good at piano. Let it shine. I'm very musical. Very musical. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. No. I'm going to let it shine. You were once darkness, but now you are light. Walk. So first it said, walk in love. That means lifestyle, right? Walk in love. Now he says, walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. <sighs> 
This is, this is us, like worship. <laughs> I walk out, oh, I'm defeated. Ah, oh, I can't do this. Remember this. As I try to close, remember this. Like the word try. Remember this. You can't do it in the flesh. You'll never achieve it. Read the whole Bible, memorize the whole Bible, pray 23 hours a day, take communion five times a day. You can't do it. There are monks in caves that haven't spoken in a decade because they're trying to achieve, obtain purity and holiness. They'll never get there. That's not how it's obtained. You can't go hide in a cave and not speak and take a vow of silence and shave your head or, or grow your hair or let your toenails grow. Why are your toenails so long? I took a vow of long toenails because I have this vanity. My feet are always so beautiful. And I'm, I don't wanna, I, I feel pride in my feet. So I'm growing these gnarly toenails to kill my pride. And you know what'll happen? You'll be like, oh my word, look how beautiful my fingernails are. Amen. It'll, just, it'll just turn into something else. You can't kill it that way. You gotta be crucified with Christ. Let him live in you. It's a walk in the spirit by grace through faith. By grace through faith. How do you extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one? With the shield of faith. Faith. Lord, I believe. I believe you love me. I believe I'm the light. I believe where I go, I bring light. I believe where I go, I bring love. Walk as children of the light. The fruit of light consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. The truth has set us free. Jesus is the truth, the only truth. That's what happened. He said that, he said that, right, today? Goodness, righteousness, and truth is part of light. As you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. As you try, verse 10, listen to this. As you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. This is a process of learning. We're learning. You might be deceived with empty words. You might have been taught wrong. But my fifth grade Sunday school teacher told me this. They were wrong. They're humans. They were wrong. What's the truth? You're learning what pleases the Lord. Freedom, love, walking in love, loving people. Pleases the Lord. Do not participate in useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. How do you expose them? You evil, wicked people. Truth in love. How do you expose darkness? Truth in love. These people are lost. What would you say to someone, you know, they come up here, their head is all shaved and they're 100 and whatever, 20 pounds because they have cancer? You know you have cancer because that's your fault. What'd you do in your life? You did something to get this cancer, you know, like, but that's how you're talking to people that are lost in sin. You're an evil, wicked person, you know? Or however you're talking to them. They're, they're lost like you were. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's why it's called deceived. They're deceived. When it says expose it, it doesn't say humiliate them. 
It says, expose the, the truth, tell them the truth. Expose these deeds so they can be free. Do you want anybody on this planet to go to hell? If you do, come down to the altar at the end of this and pray for 30 minutes. God is not willing that any should perish. But all would come to repentance. God, give us a heart of love that starts here with each other, left and right of you, your brother and your sister. Wrapping it right here. This is the end. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. As Becky comes to sing one more song, I'm wrapping it. Although I didn't get through 10%, but that's okay. It's disgraceful to even speak of things which are done by them in secret. How do you expose it and not talk about it? There's a tough one for you. What does it say? Expose them, but it's disgraceful to speak of it. Interesting, think about it. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. Everything becomes visible. Everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Awake sleeper, arise from the dead. Dead bones, somebody said dry bones. George, did you say dry bones? Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. All things become visible when they're exposed by light. This world is dark, people are dark, there's darkness, there's evil, they're sinning, they're blah, blah, blah. You are the light. All things become exposed when they're exposed to the light. Did it not just say that you are the light? Shine, baby. Shine. When you shine, this stuff gets exposed. When it gets exposed, you're like, how about this one? Man, I, I think I have a splinter. A little tiny splinter can be very painful. I think I have a splinter. You work at it, you work at it, and boom, it pops up. Ah, right? Oh, what relief to get this foreign object out of my hand. The older you get, besides magnification, what do you need to get a splinter out? You need two things, magnification and light. The older you get, you're like, turn that light, can you turn the lights up? People have all this stuff in them. They need out, they need your help. They got pussy, yucky stuff that needs to be lanced. They need relief. This building was full of people yesterday that need relief. They need relief. You're the light. I stood here at this pulpit knowing I'm the light today. I gotta shine some light. I got one shot. I'm never gonna see these people again, probably. I got one shot. I'm gonna shine two things, freedom and love. I'm gonna talk to them about freedom and love. They can be free and Jesus loves them and cares about them and wants to get that, those splinters out. It's 12.05, by 12.15, that's only 10 more minutes. By 12.15, you can get the splinter out if you have one, or by 12.15, the Lord will teach you how to in love, 
shine light and help people get splinters out. He'll do that work in you. Either you need it or he's gonna teach you how to do it for others. In 10 minutes, that'll happen. We'll worship 10 more minutes, all right? Thank you for listening to the FWC podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, you can visit our website at familyworshipcenter.org or in person at 1000 Troxel Road in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Have a great day.